Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. We've got some long-term player value in fantasy football. Got Katie Flower here. I'm Chad Parsons. After week five, bye weeks officially start this coming week. And that means we're making the playoff push next uh, month and a half or so. We are positioning ourselves and the injuries keep coming. Uh, the changing landscape of the NFL keeps coming. Official show of UTHDynasty.com. You like the show? You want to check out UTH Film Notes every single Monday morning. You're going to get about an hour for recapping all of the day's actions where I watch every play of every game. You can get things like running back roundup to make sure you're optimizing your bench, make sure you're optimizing your running back roster spots. So Katie, we had a running back uh, domino fall. Uh, and it was frankly a guy that had a little rough go in terms of opportunity, you know, in, in terms of Seattle not featuring the running game, Seattle not seeing a lot of goal line opportunities. And that's Rashad Penny, who out for the season, this is not an injury prone type thing and situation. So, I mean, basically pour one out for Rashad Penny uh, with a broken bone. His season is over. Um, as of this recording, he's already had a surgery. He's a free agent. Uh, things are a change in, but that means. As we move on, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, newfound opportunity here as a second-round rookie. And Geno Smith is fueling the passing game more than I think almost anybody <laughs> expected this year. So what is some kind of the aftermath here with Rashad Penny, what's left in Seattle? Um, and frankly, they're one of the surprise offenses, especially through the air we've seen this year. Yeah, uh, Geno has looked good. The offense has looked good, solid, consistent. And now I'm excited. I know I'm bummed for Rashad Penny, but next man up, Kenneth Walker. I think we all have hopefully a lot of shares of him just sitting there brewing, waiting. I know you and I have him on a couple of taxi squads and we'll be more than likely elevating him. Not necessarily, though. Uh, but that's the thing you've got to look at and evaluate as we head into the bye weeks. Make sure that you're looking not just on the waivers, but look at your own taxi squad and see if there's anybody that can help fill in the blanks. Yeah, absolutely. And and depth is key during the bye weeks. Um, Rashad Penny, he moved down about 12, 12, 15 spots in the dynasty rankings because he was one of those lower level starters based on uh, his situation for this year. He's a little on the older side. And now we don't know where he sits. You know, Will anyone give him a full-fledged week one, you are the guy opportunity at starting 27 years old next uh, next summer, You know, next off season for that, that future opportunity? That's the key question. Um, one thing I will put out as pause for Kenneth Walker. And it's funny because in relief last week, he actually did this exact thing, which is he broke a long touchdown run. And th- basically by by the situational, you know, high leverage opportunities for Seattle, you know, they're middle of the road at best for targets. They I don't even think they've had a goal line t- uh, carry yet for the running back position. So Walker, he's going to have to score probably from distance. And he's going to need to be featured in the passing game. We'll see how they do with DJ Dallas. I think they just signed Tony Jones, and uh, and Travis Homer will be back at some point. You know, three guys that certainly have been used uh, as receivers at this point in their career. 
but big opportunity for Walker. And he was already starting to to rev up. We typically see that with round two running backs, you know, in, in the October, November timeframe where they start to take control. Um, so huge opportunity, as we know, rookies, 21 year olds, uh, young running backs are going to have a ton of opportunity to to gain value. And it was basically a you know everyone assumed that at some point <laughs> via injury we were going to see Walker as the lead back, um, but but I think for for Penny he's one that you know Katie if you're falling out of the race you know injured players and out for the season is the easiest way to sort of transition production now to potential production in the future. Is Penny the type that you'd be looking to trade production now if you're sitting at? One and four, you know, zero oh and five to get Penny, or is Penny the type that you kind of want to see what happens in free agency before you you dip your toe in more shares? Yeah, I mean, because of his age and the the situation, I wouldn't think that he's going to be a target, not right now. Okay, and what do you think the upside is with with Walker? You know, is this something where we could see more upside than Penny uh, for for an extended stretch here? I I think so. Uh, Neither one of them were getting many targets or being used in the passing game other than blocking. And so, as you mentioned, it's going to be all on the ground. I would have to think that at some point they're going to get some goal line looks. They haven't yet, which means uh, the odds are in their favor that at some point that'll change. But, uh, you know, even if he ends up getting you 10 to 20 fantasy points per game, that's still a, a pretty good outcome. Yeah, and, and Walker, I'm seeing some of the re- the trades this week. He's not going for anything more than he was back in the spring. So he's going for like a 23 first, maybe a 23 first and a little bit extra. But essentially, I mean, he was going 102, 103, and then, you know, right after the NFL draft. And then later on in the summer, at worst, he was what, 105, 106, uh, yeah. even if he faded a little bit. So this is a, you have a rookie with a profile who's actually shown a little more. I've seen him catch the ball just a little bit. And that was going to be his one thing that maybe, you know, his skill set was not going to be conducive for that. So I've seen enough to say it's probably not going to be an overt limitation in the NFL. And he has an opportunity right here on a on a much better than expected offense. So this is why you ride him and don't, you know, just churn him out and, and reset the clock for a pick next year because this is what why you drafted him in the top five or six if you did. Oh, absolutely. Um, so Katie, we're going into buys and I always think it's interesting because I, I mean, more of the fantasy regular season has buys in it than doesn't have buys. So we've had the luxury of having our full team and week six starts not having our full team. What, what kind of tips as we have a dialogue here on just sort of roster management, you know, lineups don't quite look as good, you know, many weeks, uh, in terms of some of the things that you enable now on the, the owner side. For, for some strategy with bye weeks now for the next couple months? Well, bye weeks can throw a big wrench into everything, especially with Dynasty, because in redraft, you can at least try to mitigate that. But in Dynasty, I've got some where I've got six guys all out in, in various positions. So you're just going to have to rely and dig deep and look for those guys that have maybe been getting some targets but have had some bad luck scoring, um, maybe make some trades, some guys that are on buy that have been successful, uh, trade them for somebody that has a later buy week. You're, you don't want to load up too many. Just look at what you've got coming up. And you, I don't like to have bye weeks during the fantasy playoffs. So uh, maybe even 
get somebody week nine and then make another trade afterwards. But um, you're just going to have to look at your entire roster, including your taxi squad and elevate potentially somebody that hasn't been. Now, I've already received a few questions this week, which is why I included it in the show. And and a lot of the questions form around, hey, you know, I'm in a tough bye week situation this week. And, you know, should I trade for player X? And I would remind folks, you still have to make a dynasty trade. I mean, this is a yeah. redraft where you're kind of just kind of swapsy and you've got to be be really careful because just know that, you know, as much as you might say, oh man, I'm missing my starting quarterback and I'm I'm down one of my running backs. Well, who are you playing? Exactly. Not, don't assume that they're in full strength either. So overall scoring can go down, you know, in just matchups, what it takes to win. And I would I would recommend, you know, again, the patch job, you know, look at those teams in the bottom. And now that you have uh, a decent enough sample size, there should be teams that are open to selling older players or players that are more focused on this year. And, and that's where you as a contender can offer picks, but mainly I like to offer the lower picks. You know, I know you can make a splash deal, and I'm not opposed to those with a first rounder or something like that. But you'd be surprised what uh, folks would be willing to give away just because they're 30 plus years old as a wide receiver, or just because they're 28 or something as a running back. And so, just explore. You know, and I think wide receiver and tight end are a little easier. Maybe a lower level quarterback, depending on man. I don't have a third guy. I don't really. It's not a format where I can roster backups per se. And I, I just would like a third starter, and, and that might be someone like a Matt Ryan. It might be again not a high end option, but that also means the price should be a third round pick, a fourth round pick. I mean, again, if you're offering picks. That's going to be appealing to teams falling out of it and not having a high-level producer, but someone that can be valuable depth for you. So I always like to look in that spectrum of the the lower bottom bin if you are looking to add that sort of veteran depth. And you have to know your league because if you're in a 24-man roster, I mean, you could find a guy you know on the waiver wire that can put up you know a, a decent score, a passable score, and you just do the best you can with with looking at expected opportunity in a given week if that's wide receiver or tight end or something. Uh, just and to you, best there. Right. And you may even have a time where, like, if this is your worst week, just take the L and move on. If there's too many Band-Aids, just something weird could happen. Fantasy football is a strange thing. Um, but, you know, rather than try to fix this week with non-dynasty moves or other moves, if if it looks like this is your worst week and the rest are, are palatable, then just. Right. Don't try to fix it. Don't try. It's one, it's one game. It's one, it's one game. It's right. Is one game going to knock you out of the playoff contention? Right. Probably not. And you're still, uh, and you're still not a 99%, 1% underdog. Like it's still not that slanted. So all it takes is one of your, your big players to have a big week and it can carry you, you know, case in point, you look at Travis Kelsey, you look at some of the Austin Ecklers of the world this week, they can carry you. So don't, don't be surprised if you still get the win, even though you're like, ah, didn't really address it. The other thing I would say is you got to be really careful about, you know, uh, rostering two defenses at any point in time two kickers. And I know you might say, oh, I got this great guy. Well, if you're dropping a right in the line of fire, no bye week, you know, right here, backup running back, let's say, or a guy that dynasty wise, you would not drop. I mean, again, if the guys freeze and you can just go back to the waiver wire, maybe spend a few extra dollars if you really want Justin Tucker or the Rams defense or whatever, whoever it is, 
you know, again, play that game, know if they lock for, you know, 48 hours and then they open, you know, on Friday or Saturday, or if they're frozen until next week. Because if they're frozen until next week, you still get another crack at them. So I would just say, be really careful. And, you know, you'd like to not start zeros and you you want to get guys in there that can play and you might be in a bad injury and bye week situation. But really make sure that if they lock, do the best chance, make the best choice you can. Maybe that's trading a player for a pick if it's all kind of the same to you. But if they lock, just know that, hey, let's protect the player. You know, and I do a game where, you know, they, they, it might be first come, first serve on a drop player, and I'll drop it right before kickoff. So I'll have that mapped out and planned out. So I at least will get a, uh, another chance at them the following week to, to reclaim them. But just do the best you can. And the other part I would say is monitor drops for other teams really closely because we're going to see some backup running backs that you might really want. And you can get them for the rest of the year and going forward by just paying attention and upgrading. You know, you might have a running back three, you might have, you know, your tight end two or three, and you're like, oh, you know, someone dropped, you know, a primary backup running back and they did it because they were in a squeeze. So make a note of that. I always say if if it's an email that you snooze till next week, if that's putting in a dummy bid for a dollar. So when you go in next week, uh, do whatever mental reminder system you need so that so that you don't forget about that player because you're not going to be looking for them in every league when you go through your waivers the following week. Right. And one other point for those that are new to MFL, especially if you're using it on a laptop, it's much easier than on a phone. But you can search for a player across all your leagues. And then you can see immediately whether they're a starter, non-starter. You can see whether they are on your team or on some other team or on the waiver wire. And then you can right-click, keep that window open, right-click on the player uh, for the particular league, and you can put in a waiver bid or just flag them to be on your watch list right from that one screen. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, those hacks. And again, even if you're in four or five leagues, it really does uh, aid the process by doing it on the, the macro level there. So Katie, we are five weeks in um, and want to go over some of the, the biggest team player adjustments, uh, the new reality, if you will, of the NFL, of Dynasty and where we sit. Um, one quarterback note that I wanted to start with is Guys like Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford, I mean, it's interesting that thought that they'd be key pieces for contending teams. And really now they've kind of morphed into a, a profile that says you can't really be concerned about the, the next month or two that they may bounce back, but they could actually be considered older, but yet buys for the future. It's a really interesting dynamic with those two those two quarterbacks. There's kind of not rumors, but that, you know, are they full strength? Are they playing through some stuff that's inhibiting them? Uh, with Wilson, you have a complete changeover of team, coach, offense, all of that uh, that has been thrust upon him this year as well. Um, what's kind of your breakdown of those two guys who now have fallen, um, I believe it's at least five spots for both of them in uh, in market value consensus within the position? Yeah, in start one quarterback leagues, neither one of them is really startable unless you are scraping the bottom of the barrel. There's guys, um, I think, that you could potentially get cheap, cheap if you felt that you needed to just to get through this year and, and call this year a one-off. But if you're in super flex, I'm sure that you're relying on Wilson and Stafford. And we talked about Stafford a little bit last week, as far as I believe that his is completely injury related. It's the same team uh, that he's had 
So I, I think that that elbow injury is bothering him more than he's let on. With Wilson, I think it's more the coach and just the the scheme, and and I don't know that that's going to get any better. The coach is not ready for for the prime time for the gig. Um, how he got there, I think it was uh, through a, a connection, and and he really doesn't belong. So I'm more concerned about Russell Wilson. Um, he hasn't looked good. He's been scraping by with his fantasy points. He hasn't put up non-double digits, but he's still not somebody like when you cringe, when you look about, do I have to put him in my lineup? Um, so I, I'm a little, yeah, he's, you can't really trade him right now. You're going to have to wait it out. That's just the bottom line. And do you have enough pieces to wait it out? Yeah, I mean, it would be an easy situation if you had Geno Smith on your bench. You know that right. you have someone that you have someone that maybe you didn't expect, and now you have someone from your lineup that maybe you just don't have confidence in. Um, I think reasons for optimism is they both kind of fit the blueprint of that early to mid thirties, and they're having the down year for whatever reason it is. And we've seen it before for these established, you know, ten plus year starters. They'll pop back. You know, they've been there. They've done that. They've had down years before. And Russell Wilson, he's one of the one of the top guys um, I've ever tracked uh, in terms of the uh, touchdown interception rate ratio. He's behind basically Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, and Brady. That's it. And he's having a, a year that's half of his typical normal uh, career average. Uh, you know, over the aggregate. I mean, half is ridiculous. I mean, half is basically like. It's such an egregious fall off. It typically doesn't happen in one year. And the bounce back, whether it's next year, whether it's later this season, is going to be there. And Stafford's even worse. Um, he's like a third uh, or something of his of his typical typical rate. Now, he hasn't been in uh, the highest levels. And the, the thing about both of these is they're both about half their typical touchdown rate. W- Wilson's not throwing interceptions. See, that's the thing. Like His DNA of not turning the ball over is still there. It's lower than his career mark. And Stafford, you know, wildly higher, like egregiously higher. So I, I just think that they're both so outlandish in terms of where they sit versus what they typically do. It's tough for me to buy in and say at 33, 34 years old, they just lost it. Like I just don't buy it. And I think there's a lot of the extra stuff going on. It, where's the deep presence for the Rams? I mean, Tyler Higby's the the, the wide receiver too. Allen Robinson has been a massive disappointment. What have they gotten out of the running backs? I mean, you just, and then Van Jefferson, who I don't think is very good. He's not in this offense. And you know what? He would help. Tutu He's Atwell. Coming back. He is coming back. Yeah. And Tutu Atwell finally gave him a deep threat and Stafford hit him. You know, he threw the deep ball well. I just think it's a little too squeezed on Cooper Cup right now. And a lot of the, the things around him are not helping. The five yard routes to Tyler Higby don't help anybody in terms of opening somebody else up. They'll give that all day as defenses. And then Russell Wilson, you know, I thought one thing I'll say is I proclaimed that, oh, this is a great situation. You know, that we have, we have Sutton, Judy, Hamler. Uh, they had Tim Patrick, who they lost already. And then Albert O, they were adding Greg Dolchich. Let's okay. Dolce's had a play. Yeah, yeah, and Javante Williams and 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 Gordon. What have they lost? Well, Dolce's hasn't played yet. He finally just got activated. AO has been an absolute shadow. You've got Javante Williams gone. Tim Patrick gone. Jerry Judy has not taken a step forward. Corlin Sutton has been fine. And 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 uh, again, Javante Williams is out. So I you look at that and they've been carved. So, I mean, and they're settling for field. The big thing is they're settling for field goals. They're moving the ball a little bit, but it just seems like they can't make the big, the big critical third down red zone 
convert. This is what this is what turns you into a twenty point offense to a thirty point offense, converting those plays and converting those drives. So, you know, I've been watching him in this whole like he's not mobile anymore. I haven't seen that. This whole like his his arm is gone and he's done. He's cooked. I haven't seen that either. So I'm just I think for both of these guys and and frankly it might get worse before it gets better in terms of the the price you pay. You know they could fall. So I think that you like to me the line would be about QB twenty, and I think. If you go around your leagues, that may be accessible in Superflex to find some values around QB20. But if you have them, and I know it stinks, but when you have the profile where it makes sense, and this is why you bought in, if the price falls uh, of what they're worth, you can't, buy, you can't sell into the fall because the profiles are sound. And if they bounce back to their historical norms next year, you're going to really regret it. So you can't make a rash short-term decision about a dynasty profile that's been around for a decade uh, based on a bad month. That, that's really the critical example here. Right. Good takeaway. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown. That would be another one that I have definitely come around on. Uh, I've moved him way up uh, over the first month of the season. He's coming back. He played a partial game last last week. But the fact that he came right in with where he was last year as a fixture element of the offense where I thought they improved the passing game. We'll see about Jamison Williams. But is Amon Ross St. Brown one that you have a lot more confidence in now? Do you typically not buy a player that, you know, I, if you were below consensus when they were coming out or early on, all of a sudden he starts producing in a major way late last season? You're like, well, I'm not going to pay into that. And I'm not going to buy a profile that, as a prospect, I didn't like the price point. Yeah. I mean, I even did try to sell my shares. I got them at a decent price point in many rookie drafts uh, late in the second, mid third, uh, somewhere in that range. And then he exploded. And while he exploded, you know, trying to parlay that into a 23 first skipping, knowing the 22 class wasn't as strong, uh, and hoping that nobody was looking down the road for the 23 class, you know, two classes out, you can usually get a pretty good discount on first, but still nobody was buying. So I was quote unquote stuck with all of my shares and now I'm happy. I I will keep that kind of player, but I don't know that I'm necessarily going to buy like if I were doing a startup tomorrow or if I were to try to trade I I still am skeptical. It's been a one season and four games and still a lot can change. Uh so I, I like him. I like the fact that I've got him, but I'm not going to pay Buku up to get him. Yeah, I see. I mean, wide receiver six to ten in Dynasty, which to me is really rich. When you say he's he's kind of got to be the next Stefan Diggs, you know, coming out of day three, and he's got to be someone that you know transcends the pedigree. And you know, I know he's produced. He's 22, and he checks a lot of boxes. But I still wonder what's going to happen if Jamison Williams is decent or good and what's going to happen if they address the the passing game and or wide receiver position more in the off season because you know guys like Josh Josh Reynolds and DJ Shark I mean they are they're patch jobs you know they're band-aids uh, in the grand scheme of the NFL and how teams address positions so I, I've come around on him I have him in the top 15 but I'm still not into the top 10 which means you know I would be a seller and not a buyer at this point in time I just think seven you're basically just blindly looking at age and um, and what he's done so far, and I feel like there is some sort of ceiling. Like for for example, I think it's uh, it's very risky 
if you put him above, say, Drake London. I think it's very risky if you put him ahead of, say, Debo Samuel. You know, guys like that that with how they've produced and the fact that we've seen it for longer, the fact that like Drake London has elite pedigree and he's producing early. I mean, there's a lot of signs there. And and so looking at profiles um, is a way to do that. And I also think some of these, you know, Stefan Diggs types. Like, let's not brush those guys under the rug and say we have to get a 22 year old because they're studs now. And I think I don't think people realize the value of, you know, even even two straight years of of stud. We don't have any questions about where they sit on a depth chart. If they sign somebody, we don't really care. And um, with Amon Ross St. Brown, I think you know, kind of like the day three running back, but to a lesser degree, we still will have that look over your shoulder factor in the off seasons. Right. All right. Next one. Brees Hall, uh, the fact that he is already an elite dynasty asset, you can say, well, he was the one on one, you know, and but but people didn't assume it was like the Ezekiel Elliott one on one class, you know, or, right. or these ones where it's just like he did go one on one in basically every league. Um, but um it was, you know, the fact that he's producing with Michael Carter there, he's been stepping up every single week. We're seeing the two way ability this past week. I mean, he's running wheel routes and downfield stuff. He's also running tough inside. He's showing quite a lot in the first four or five games of his career. And I guess one question I would have, because we're talking about, again, an incoming 21-year-old running back that is, you know, it's gonna, with the way the Jets use running backs, it's going to be hard for him not to finish in the top 10 or 12 as a rookie. And so, I mean, when you combine age and opportunity and the pedigree he has, how high is too high to rank him, I guess, would be my generalized question. Yeah, I mean, he's been Mr. Consistent. Look at everything that he's got. He's 6'1", 220. Bell cow back? Check. He can receive the football, and he's been getting a decent amount of targets. Not as many this time, but he didn't need to. He took two receptions for 100 yards, and so he can make those big, long plays. And games where he's had 11 targets, six catches, 50 yards, that adds up. And can he run the ball You know, between the tackles? Check. Can he get outside? Check. Does he have enough speed and uh, strength? Check. So sky's the limit. He's he's going to be you know not just a top rookie but a top back by the time this is all done. Yeah, I haven't met running back five, and I think there's an argument you could have a spot or two higher for sure. When you look at the age advantage right now, you're getting the whole prime, which is you know another five years beyond this, and everybody else in that zone, you know, is either you know you got guys like DeAndre Swift who's 23 this year, Barkley's 25, Taylor's 23, and then Christian McCaffrey is 26. So, and obviously he's out, he's boat racing Najee Harris in production, you know, as someone who's been falling uh, pretty swiftly there this year. So it really is ripe, and we'll see how much the 23 class takes advantage of this, as well as Brees Hall and some of these rookies. But uh, the fact that I think the, the running back position is susceptible for a Brees Hall or other and or others to come in and really be very high in the rankings because, uh, again, it's, it's a little bit on the older side, and some of these young guys that we thought might have produced more. You know, you got Javante Williams with now an injury and he, you know, kind of did it a little bit this year. Some question marks with him. You got ETN who's in a committee right now. You know, is he going to clarify that? And then you've got a bunch of guys producing that are on the older side. So I think it's a really interesting landscape for Brees Hall and then 23 guys to uh, to really crash that party up high. Uh, how about uh, another one I have is o- being open to Jalen Hurts as the long-term Eagles starter. I'm still below the market. I think it's pretty hot. You know, a lot of people have him in the top five. Like Amon Ross A. Brown, I can't go there yet. But 
I think, you know, as the Eagles keep winning games, um, as I, I still have questions, you know, are they ever going to truly lean on him? But I'm being more open to the NFL being a malleable idea of offense that it might have been this way with Trey Lance of just you can have a run centric quarterback and with with good weapons around him that make him look good enough. I, I have to be open to the idea that he is a longer term starter for the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, I think you anybody would be silly not to at least consider the possibility. You look at his uh, completion percentage. They've got he's he went from fifty two in year one to sixty one point three in year two. He's currently at sixty seven point nine. You see a good progression each time. He has uh, his touchdown to interception ratio. It's never been great. You know, last year, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. This year, so far, so far, four touchdowns, two interceptions. In year one, six touchdowns, four interceptions. Interceptions seem to still bite him. His average yards per attempt is still pretty low, but it has increased every year. He went from 6.8 to 7.1 to 8.5. Like to see that more in the 10. Uh, in the range of of closer to nine ten, but he's he's getting there, uh, and his passer rating has increased from seventy seven to eighty seven to ninety seven. So he is making steps, and he is progressing, which is uh, hopeful. And but he still has a ways to go. Is it enough for him to keep the job there? I think they like him, and I and and he is a leader, and he is the kind of guy that works hard and you want him in your locker room. So I think that he, his uh, position is a lot more safe than many of the other young quarterbacks out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of his, one of his key numbers is if you drop below 1.0 for the uh, touchdown interception rate ratio, that uh, that's really where your job security becomes a question. Uh, for example, you got to attack right around that line. So he's got to get a little better and he was doing better, you know, in the opening month when he played this season, but you got guys like Winston below that Daniel Jones, uh, you know, some retread guys that have already lost jobs. A lot of the rookies in 2021. Um, and again, those are the guys that pickets well on that track. So you've got a lot of, uh, again, question mark job security guys. And, uh, you know, you got uh, hurts sturdily above that, you know, and, and playing good enough right around that 1.0 mark this year. But the rushing is a, just a huge boost that it, it's interesting because it doesn't make you feel great because you need to see again, like you were saying, that continued progression as a passer because that leads to job security. But yet the rushing is what you can lean on and say, well, that makes you a dominant fantasy producer. Uh, but it just happens to sometimes be lightning in a bottle of, well, if the NFL deems that that's not good enough, you know that that you are just another mobile quarterback. All right, uh, last one here for me is Kyle Pitts is an elite dynasty asset, but not ready to join Andrews Kelsey elite producer territory, and he might be the biggest divide between dynasty asset and versus what he's actually provided this year, and just seeing typical growing pains from young tight ends. Yeah, tight end, the tight end position does take a while. Um, and he's the usage, the targets aren't there. The red zone looks 
aren't there. He hasn't had any touchdowns on the year, which as you know, that really helps. And he is, he was, you know, capable of being a target maven in that, in the red zone. And so he's a patient hold. I don't know that you can, that he's startable, even when he comes back from the injury, um, hamstrings can bother you the whole season. We'll see how that goes, but you know, two receptions, one reception, five receptions was as big as so far for 87 in week three uh, against the Seahawks. And he does have a pretty strong schedule through the year. So I don't know that he's going to be dependable, but he is not the kind of guy. Do not lose faith in him as far as as a dynasty asset. I've seen people try to send me trade offers for my Kyle Pitt shares, and I've had listeners send me uh you know, should I do this deal? You know, I, I, my team is stacked and I can, this can really help me over the edge. And it's like, man, I'm going to let that be your judgment call. I'm not making that call for you. I wouldn't personally, and here's why, but you know, there are sometimes guys that you just gotta, that's why you have bridge players. And when it comes to tight ends, if you don't have one of the top two or three, then you're going to have to have a variety of bridge players somebody that you can fill in on a week to week matchup by matchup basis. Yeah. And I, I think that's where the the line divides a little bit that, you know, one tight end, you know, can you just bridge it together and know that there's not a big difference if you don't have Kelsey or Andrews versus anyone else. I uh, look at Kittle right now, you know, going through kind of the same stuff. Uh, he's a monster player. We've seen tight end one overall from him previously. Um, I will say in two tight end, you got to be really, really uh, firm. Uh, with with pits up in that tight end one tight end two zone value wise and not fall off of that i'm seeing you know i've seen some people poke around i do think what do you think though in a stock format though because pits has to join that top group production wise do you think it's viable like i saw a deal that he was traded for goddard and uh, george pickens for example like are you in a stock in a stock league i like that trade because you get a you get a good decent age tight end tight ends mature somewhere around 26 27 and then you you know they're still decent for many many years after that so with george pickens who looks to me like he's he's gonna be an alpha uh i think that's that's a good trade in a stock league where you start one yeah because i think i think that I mean, Goddard is a perfect one, you know, that has big upside and we're, we're seeing him be a more viable option. You're getting a sturdy second piece. And in stock, I just think that the stakes are lower. Like if you're yes. wrong and Pitts turns out to be great, the stakes are lower. Like he's got to be so great. You know, the again, the Andrews and Kelsey level great to make you really go, oh man, I traded him at the exact wrong time. And that's why you have to be careful to get, you know, a couple pieces, uh, you know, or, you know, something that was like, you know, if that was Pickens at a first or, you know, just, you know, you're getting good pieces where the stakes are lower. That would be one of the key points. But I think the assumption, you know, in July and August was that Pitts, you know, all he has to do is add a few touchdowns, you know, and he was going to be top two or three this year. Too easy, right? Well, I don't think a lot of people assumed, you know, made the uh, made the calculus that part of it was going to be, well, what if Drake London, another top 10 pick, is really darn good? What if he's the alpha and there's not enough in a Marcus Mariota offense to go around for a second guy? What if that's the situation? Drake's not, Drake London's not going anywhere. So and I think that's the thing that got, you know, the spectrum of, Oh, what if Pitts inhibits London? You know, but how about the other part, which is what if yeah. London inhibits Pitts? Right. And you know what? Their quarterback situation is probably going to get better because they are dreadful 
and they're going to have one of the top picks next year. So London and uh, Pitts, we might be having a far different situational conversation come next day, April. All right, Katie, uh, final thoughts for this week. None for me. I'm just, you know, going to brace myself for the bye weeks and I'm still traveling a lot as far as just setting lineups and everything. Uh, it's been tough with the London games. Just make sure that you're checking for those that are questionable, know the situation. I've seen a lot of people end up holding the bag with a player that's out or, you know, unfortunately you get guys like Darren Waller that end up with a goose egg because he pulls his hamstring early, early in the game. You can't really do anything about that. You just do the best that you can with questionable players. Uh, I like to make sure that on questionable players that I have an out. If they're a Monday night game, I'm probably going to look to start somebody that's going to play on Sunday rather than the questionable player. Yeah, that's a that's a really good uh, safe play. And a lot of times, again, uh, in these bye weeks, the safe play because scores might be down and su- op- uh, lineups will be suboptimal. That's the way to play it for sure. Um, for the UTH Best Ball Contest, fueled by my Fantasy League, the weekly update, and uh, I took it down. Uh, I took the top uh, the top score this past week by a pretty big margin, um, finally coming together with some of my, my guys like Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson as uh, current starters, so they're certainly helping me quite a bit. Gabriel Davis um, was priced as such. I took a shot on him, and uh, people know what happened with him uh, getting that. I still wonder. I watched that play about 10 times, Katie, the one where he ripped it from the defender, and it's like... The defender had it, had it to the last minute, and then it just changes hands like it's a handshake. Uh, but that was pretty wild. Um, also, Taysom Hill, tight end eligible in this one. He doesn't catch passes, but he scored 38 because of all the, the end zone trips. He's a, a fascinating player uh, that, I mean, what if you were to see a start at quarterback and yet you're starting him at a tight end this year? A lot of a lot of machinations there. So I got the perfect storm. Hopefully, Taysom gives me another two, three big games like that this year. Uh, that would be very helpful uh, as I don't have a lot of tight end depth in this contest. Hooper's been a whiff. Brevin Jordan's been a whiff. Moali Cox has given me a game or two. But uh, but yeah, a perfect storm at 268 this week. So not the the biggest score ever, but uh, but lap the field overall. Uh, and I said it last week. I think I'll say it again this week, which is I think we have the highest aggregate for the uh, four amigos here as Tim is probably the bottom at what 10 or so like he he's I'm 11 high. he's 12 okay 11 and 12 Jordan's ahead Jordan's at uh, 4 I'm at 5 so we all got to run at this thing um, all pretty tight as always at the top Mikey shout out to him who I think he took it down last week or the week before so he is still up at the top spot and uh, Andy's up in sec- uh, no that's Derek uh, super fan Derek is up in the number 2 spot so congrats guys uh, it's early so you got to do it for about 10, 10, 12, four weeks, but uh, I'll happily take the the weekly crown for this one. Um, all right, everybody, a reminder about all the premium shows, UTH Trade Calculator and uh, rankings updated every single week. Uh, we'll be doing uh, this week a massive update to the projection model scores for the college players. I usually do that two or three times during the season. So we'll do a, a big update uh, as we go through this week. It seems like by the time you get done with NFL stuff, it's Wednesday and then there's already college starting for the following week. There's like no break. It's two two waves crossing in the night uh, in terms of college and pro, but uh, do need to make those updates. And uh, again, if you're interested in more content, you can go over to patreon.com slash UTH. We've got a VIP chat, got a VIP strategy session every single week talking trades, uh, talking advanced waiver wire strategy and everything you need to get your team on the right track or continue going down that title track this year. 
between episodes, you want to talk to Katie Flower, you can find her at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. So next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.